It's Monday, June 23rd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Motley Fool Stock Advisor Canada, Taylor Muckerman. Happy Monday, gents. It's a new week, too, Chris. Bittersweet Monday in the wake of yesterday's soccer game. Yeah, that was intense. I couldn't believe that. That was an intense Out of game. Nowhere. And if you're ESPN, you're probably happy you're locking in the fans to the very end, to the final seconds. Seriously, 20 seconds left. The 2-2 tie between the U.S. and Portugal. So I would say last night, I was telling you that we went to that concert. Um, It it was funny because that show started like right, it was supposed to start right around 7 o'clock as as this game was finishing up. And so you're Chiffy Lube Live, amphitheaters, big amphitheater, a lot of people there. And everybody, I mean everybody, had their smartphones out, (laughs) scrolling through the Twitter feed. And I mean, the the reason why I noticed is because everybody, as I was using Twitter, because Twitter's done such a good job with that World Cup coverage. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. And then they would get up on stage in between, uh, you know, in during breaks, and they would like give this update: "Is U.S. just tied one one? The U.S. is up two one. Oh, they tied." It was just. It was, it was, was there amazing. an audible? Was there a crowd reaction? There was a collective when, gasp. Yeah. There was a collective gasp at the two-two final. Beautiful goal, but man. But you got to love technology. I mean, it just you wouldn't have seen that. Just wouldn't have seen that twenty years ago. Yeah. Pretty cool. All right, let's move on to the big deal of the day. We, we will talk about Apple's coming iWatch. We will get into retail, but let's start with the deal of the day, and that is. Oracle is buying Microsystems in a deal worth $5.3 billion. This is Oracle's biggest acquisition since 2009. I'll be honest, Jason, never heard of this company. <laughs> I, I don't feel bad about that. It's close that. to home. <laughs> is it? Columbia, Maryland, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, now I feel a little bit bad. But I was about to say, <laughs> I don't feel bad because this is one of those behind-the-scenes businesses that is not consumer-facing. It is a company that does hardware and software for restaurants and hotels. Mm-hmm. It seems like a good deal, I'm guessing, just because Oracle, which had been down a little bit in the wake of their fourth quarter results last week, stock bouncing back up. It seems like, at least in the interim, the market likes this deal. Yeah, I mean, this is a stock. Microsystems is a it's a stock that I I have heard of it before. I had done some work on it, and it just always struck me as an interesting company because, like you said, it's not consumer touching so much. Uh, or maybe it's not consumer facing, but it is consumer touching. Although we may not even really realize it. Uh, but you know, for the for the for those who don't know, Micros essentially makes all of this hardware and software for point of sale systems. Um, and you know, when I when I look at Oracle and sort of Oracle's cloud power and their move toward more subscription based revenue, and then you look at Microsystems' tremendous market opportunity because it really is it really is big when you look at it like in total between retail restaurants and whatnot. Uh, yeah, I, I think this deal does make a lot of sense. I think it's something that Oracle will uh, do well from. And I mean, if you look at just some of Microsystems' customers to get an idea of, of the kind of markets they're serving. Uh, everyone from Buffalo Wild Wings to Cracker Barrel to Five Guys to Yum uh, to our beloved Fenway Park, Chris. Oh. So, I mean, hey. That uh, makes the deal right there. Yeah, Five million, let's buy it. I mean, the nice thing about Micros is it sounds kind of like a hardware play, but really the fact is that only about 20% uh, of their sales come from the hardware side of the business. The rest of it comes from the software and the services side. So that enables them to keep a pretty healthy margin line, uh, you know, anywhere between 12, 13, 14, 15% net margins, uh, which is obviously very attractive for something like an Oracle. They can get that and, uh, you know, maintain that on a pretty sustainable basis. Well, Taylor, 
in the wake of Oracle's latest quarter, you had some people asking legitimately, where is the growth? This is a $183 billion company. Where is the growth going to come from? And I think we have Oracle's answer here. We'll go out and buy some growth. Yeah, $5 billion isn't much when you compare it to their overall cash balance. And I don't know about the retail side of things. If you're moving more towards online, I don't know that Microsystems, Microsystems is exposed to online payment processing. But uh, retail, I mean, you know, food and beverage and um, tourism, that's the point of contact sales. And international tourism had a great year last year. Hotel businesses, you saw Blackstone IPO, Hilton, a record uh, hotel IPO at the end of last year. So that business is doing really well. I saw international tourism was up 5% last year to a 1.09 billion arrivals at airports around the world. Um, and that's well above the, the long-term average growth. So if that continues, uh, people are obviously spending a lot of money uh, at hotels around the world. And uh, if Microsystems is an international company, which I assume they are, I'm uh, talking about the big companies that Jason just mentioned, um, I like this this move by Oracle. It's definitely something that they've not been exposed to before. Yeah, it does seem, you know, I... I I don't know what was necessarily in the minds of the people who were selling off Oracle last Friday after their latest quarter, but it does. I have to believe at least some of those people were just way too focused on the short term, just looking at the one quarter results and saying, well, it was a bump in the road, and who knows, and where's the growth going to come from? But you look at the long term track record of Larry Ellison and the team he's put together at Oracle. I don't know. I, I, I don't know why you would necessarily bet against. He's a competitive guy. He's, yeah. he's going to make some moves, whether or not they turn out. You got to w- wait and see what his what's up his sleeve because there's always something. Yeah, and I mean that's really a testament, I think, to the way we view investing here at the Fool. Anyway, I mean we're business focused investors. <clears throat> Excuse me, and we're obviously not worried so much about the day to day, you know, earnings misses and and whatnot. I mean that that is just that's noise in the grand scheme of things, and I think that really. You know, looking at companies for five, ten years out, planning on holding them for a while, you know, it, it just gives you a different perspective. And I think it's a perspective that really makes it easier to win uh, as an investor over the long haul. Now that Amazon has officially unveiled their smartphone, the device watching world turns its lonely eyes to Apple. <laughs> and at the beginning of the year, when Tim Cook came out and said, will absolutely have a new device by the end of 2014. Decent amount of speculation was around a television, and now we're getting more and more breadcrumbs that are leading almost inevitably to the conclusion that it's going to be the iWatch. Uh, Latest report in the Wall Street Journal talking to some of the components makers, it seems like, by the end of this year, maybe possibly in the fall when they unveil the iPhone 6 or expected to unveil the iPhone 6. But one of the things in the journal article, Jason, you look at the numbers to date on wearable devices, and so far, not a particularly robust market. In the first quarter of 2014, roughly 300 million smartphones shipped around the world. That's across all makers of those devices. And when you look at the wearables market, it's 1% of that. It's 2.9 million, which leads me to this question. Let's say Apple comes out with the iWatch. Let's say it's the best of the best. The smart, uh, the the Samsung Galaxy sort of fizzled when you look at the reviews. Let's say this thing's amazing. How many of these are they going to sell if the existing market is as tiny relative to smartphones? Yeah, I mean, that's the question, right? I mean, I think uh, part of the reason why we haven't seen any major traction in those sort of wearables yet is because there's really haven't, there just hasn't been anything even close to compelling yet. I mean, 
and I think maybe it's just if we look at it from the perspective of what if instead of it's instead of it being called an iWatch, you know, with the emphasis being on watch, what if it's just an, an I band or something like that, that that implies maybe a bit more of a universal use? And, you know, my problem with this wearable thing here with, with an iWatch, with a smartwatch, was always it just it, it just doesn't seem to be very compelling. It does the same thing my phone does. It's just now it's on my wrist, and it probably looks stupid, too. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, if, if you look at something like... Oh, Wait so, a minute. Can't we assume that they're going out of their way to make sure it doesn't look stupid? Hey, man. <laughs> Listen, they're the ones that came out with the Newton, right? I mean, every once in a while, they just they strike out. Uh, but but I think that you know when, when we see how Nike stopped making their fuel band. So see, I, like Nike's fuel band to me is a sleek looking device that serves a purpose, uh, or should we say served, served a purpose? Yeah, they got out of that game pretty quickly. <laughs> but and I then think they started the reason why off, yeah, right. the reason why they got out of that is because it was quite apparent that Apple was going to be releasing a device something like this, and and that I think is where. That's where the difference lies here is that, you know, if, if Apple's putting out something that's an iWatch or an iBand, it's going to serve primarily as a fitness-style track or a health-style device. I think there's definitely a market for that as long as it's something that is useful. And it sounds like it will be. I mean, they're talking about, you know, 10, like, somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 motion sensors in this thing. And, and uh, I mean, they're, they're planning for a shipment of potentially $50 million for the first year. It, a lot is going to come down to how much this thing costs. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, I think that that one of the biggest hurdles they have to wait overcome a minute, is, fifty million or one five million. I, I think it, I, I, what I read was 50, 50, I read 50, 50 million planned shipment for the first year. Wow, which is which, like twenty years worth of yeah, current sales. And you I figure guess. that well, it's going to have to be an exciting price point too. I mean, I, I don't know that you're going to have a lot of people going out to just drop like three hundred ninety nine dollars on some little you know wrist wrist device that is probably going to be iterated uh, you know over time here into into numerous. You know the, the the one, the two, the threes. I mean, you're gonna probably see see this thing change every year from here on out, depending on what customers really want. But uh, I mean, that's just it. I mean, maybe they they're letting Samsung get out there and figure out you know how to fail so that Apple can then get get out there and maybe succeed. I look at it as Apple's just become good at building speculation rather than building cool products. I mean, <laughs> I I don't see the difference in this iWatch and the Nike Fuel Band or anything like that. Uh, they're talking about marketing with Kobe Bryant and other athletes, maybe taking the Beats direction because the Beats came out with a pretty awesome commercial in my mind on YouTube. It's about five minutes with World Cup players. But then Sony fired back and got FIFA to kick Beats out. And uh, now no World Cup players can wear Beats. I thought that was pretty interesting. <laughs> really? Sony sent all players in the World Cup Sony headphones and told them that they cannot wear Beats on camera uh, for the rest of the World Cup. But that being said, um, Nike got out of this business, whether or not it's because they thought it was going to fail or because they thought Apple was going to come in and take over. They still have the, the iTunes app, so maybe they're hoping that um, Apple succeeds with this and that their app can take off. But um, I, I used to have one of those up bands, and I wore it for about a year, and then I just kind of lost focus in the data that it was telling me. So um, I think that this would probably fizzle out in the same way, um, unless it has something really unique. I think you keep it. Well, uh, hold on a second. What, what do you have on your wrist now? Because Jason's got a basic watch. Uh, this is this is a Garmin running with just a tracks your distance your time mileage and you can upload it to computer so it's not anything um as far as my own motion and the, the speed that i'm going 
um, but it just tracks me on the map. But I think, I mean, Taylor keyed in on something there that I think is pretty important is because when you have Samsung and Nike that have sort of, you know, tested the waters in this market here, I mean, Apple is notorious. They're not always the first to market. They, they tend to, to they're just pretty much make never it the first. Yeah, they're never, to yeah. first. They, they make it second to market, but they just, they do it their way. And, and typically, because they, they give others a chance to, to sort of figure out really what works and what doesn't work, you know, Apple can then integrate sort of their ecosystem and their sleek, uh, you know, hardware design and, and still make it work for them and do very well, because now they've obviously had the chance to grow this brand into a very reputable name. And so, I mean, I think that's what we're seeing, the same kind of, th- of thing developing here. And, and uh, again, I mean, it, the phone certainly served a purpose, and the smartphone revolutionized the way we we went about our day. Uh, that is going to be a smaller market, you know. If you're looking at something like an iBand or an iWatch, that's a bit more of a health device. I mean, I they're just going to be you know few fewer people out there willing to buy it. Seems like the easy way out to me for yeah. a new product. Yeah. I mean, it's just a phone on your wrist. Yep, cool. Do we believe? And when I say we, I mean you two. Um, do you guys <laughs> believe that one? potential way to play this if you're an investor is not so much on the individual company, but on the the trend of sensor technology, because that does seem like a growing trend, or am I wrong about that? I think you're absolutely right, and I am playing it that way. I mean, InvenSense, I think, is a company that we uh, talk a lot about here. They develop those little accelerometers and little gyroscopes for these motion sensors, and that's that's what this company specializes in. And so, you know, they are, I think, they, they have a, a much greater playing field because they're going to work with Google and Amazon and Apple, whoever it may be, as this this, this motion uh, or as this wearable market sort of picks up and, and gains uh, traction. You know, if, if you play Apple or Google, then you're, you're limited to one of those two. Uh, but but if you play into sort of the the component side of it and and the specialized component side of it, I think that's where the benefit really lies. I mean, I own shares of Invincent, and and uh, to me, that's that's by far and away the most exciting way to play it. And if you're looking at Apple, they're stuck with that 50 million inventory. Invincent and whoever else is pro- providing those 10 sensors, they're getting those, those 500 million sensors right off the books. Already right right. done. Yep. Right. So whether <laughs> yeah. Apple moves those that's products it. or yep. not, they cashed in. Finally, we've got. Gosh, I don't even know how to headline this. I think you have uh, to cue like the young and the restless in, music in a, here before we In a we polite way. I, there are plenty of profane ways I could, I could title this last topic. But we have a couple of apparel company founders who, for lack of a better term, just refuse to go away. In the case of Lululemon Athletica, founder Chip Wilson is reportedly working with Goldman Sachs to either regain control of the company that he founded and was essentially effectively booted from, um, either regain control or just liquidate the 28% control that he owns. Uh, And then in the case of American Apparel, Dove Charney, or or maybe, can we officially call him the creepy Dove Charney? I'm going to just call him that. The creepy Dove Charney has promised to sue his company because he's been shown the door. Creepy Charney. Because that's what that company can really afford right now is a good old-fashioned lawsuit, right? Yeah. Well, and in the case, I mean, Lululemon Athletica, the stock has taken a hit. It's trading at its lowest point in three years. It is not nearly in the financial terrible shape that American Apparel is in. When you look at American Apparel, which has lost more than $250 million over the last four years, it has $200 million in debt, and some of that debt is at an interest rate of 20%. So mm. that, I mean, for 
for anyone who is looking at a retail stock and thinking, well, how much worse can it get? I, I, allow me to introduce you to American Apparel. <laughs> Ticker symbol APP. That might be one of the highest loan rates in the S and P five hundred. Well, and the, and in this day and age, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many times have we talked about how cheap money is Seriously. right now? But when you're American Apparel geez. and you're that bad off, and the stock is trading for about seventy cents a share, is either one of these a situation that interests you? Assuming you knew these guys were going to go away. Because maybe not so much with American Apparel, but Lululemon Athletica, that strikes me as a situation where the stock's taking a hit. If they could get rid of the distraction of of Chip Wilson, then the new CEO could start going to work and maybe rebuilding the business there. But I, I don't know. It worries me because they've tried to get rid of him and they can't. So until I see that they can, I don't. I didn't like Lululemon when he was there. I still don't really like it now, but. Just seems like he's out for blood with the board in particular because he says he likes where Laurent Pontdeviding is taking the company. He wasn't around when Chip was there, so he might still be going after the the old guard that kicked him out. Laurent didn't do that; he just took his place. So um, I'm not touching Lululemon. This, by the way, Jason, a good reminder that when we say things like we really like founder-led companies, what we mean is <laughs> in general. Yeah, <laughs> that's not yeah, an automatic. Yeah. That's not a. We love every no because these are founder-led companies, and in the case of American Apparel, just driven straight into the ground. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a great point you make there because I think it's very easy to just say, "Well, founder-led, oh, it's got to be good." And and I think that uh, we we probably at times could do a better job of communicating that that founder-led is not an investing thesis. Okay, you never, ever, never base an investment on the fact that it's founder-led, because at the end of the day, that just doesn't matter. I mean, it's if it's a piece of crap, it's a piece of crap, no matter who's <laughs> behind the wheel. And, uh, I mean, you know, you look at... So, I, I think American Apparel, for all intents and purposes, is just done. I mean, that's toast. It's Radio Shack. It's over. Um, so we heard it here first, touch folks. touch that with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> I mean, there's just no reason. Like, they, that's just another, essentially, a teen retailer. Um now, now, Lululemon, I think, is a, is a far more interesting situation because I think there is a brand there that that still has a lot of loyalty and that is continuing to sort of reshape their position in the market as becoming more of a sporting goods uh, retailer as opposed to just the yoga company. Um, and, and I think with Chip Wilson, it is – you know, I, I don't suspect that he will be let back in as the CEO. I think that he's – you know he's consulting with Goldman Sachs for whatever reason. I bet you he's just trying to work a deal so that they'll just buy him out and just move on with it. Because you know, if the company doesn't want you there, they're going to figure out a way to set that board up so that you're not coming back. Um, and with Lululemon, I think at least there's still the chance to turn things around uh, because of the brand that they still that they still have. I think they have to get away from just being a yoga company because that yeah, was, that's a no question. That's a nice little fad. Maybe yoga yoga pants definitely. Um, people that don't even do yoga are wearing them. But I mean, if it came in as quickly as the fad did, and they timed it perfectly with the with with the yoga going mainstream in the United States, um, it, it could be on the outs just as quickly as it, as it came in. Whereas Nike and Adidas, they they sponsor every single type of physical activity you can think of, and that's why they've had such a lasting impact. There's a classic uh, film called The Sweet Smell of Success. Burt Lancaster, Tony Curtis, and Jason, you just reminded me of a. And that's one of those classic movies that has all these great lines in it. And one of them is Tony Curtis, towards the end of the movie, has has basically blown his chance with Burt Lancaster. And he's 
you know, knocking on his office door and he, he's like, JJ, can I come in? Can I come in, JJ? And Burt Lancaster says, no, son, you're dead. Go get yourself buried. <laughs> and that's what the American Apparel is. It's that's, like, they're dead. Time to go get themselves buried. All right. Jason Moser, Taylor Markman. Guys, thanks for being here. Thanks. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Ann Henry. I'm Chris Hell. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.